Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Exploring the Seasons of Life is a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I help midlife women navigate the seasons of their life and stop waiting for permission to live the life they want. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. I am so delighted to introduce my guest today, Victoria Volk of the Unleashed Heart is a creative and strategic intuitive guide who connects hurting hearts with their authentic, soulful selves to release suffering and thrive. Victoria is a self-published author, advanced certified grief recovery specialist, creator and podcast host of Grieving Voices, Usui and Karuna Reiki Master, UMAP Certified Coach, and End of Life Doula. She aims to use her strengths and skills through a variety of offerings to help those struggling with loss go from surviving to thriving. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you about your journey and your story about becoming a a grief writer and author. But can we just start off with what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Yeah, so I mean, when I think about all the seasons of life that I've gone through personally, um, I have three teenagers now, but they're all close in age and going through that, you know, when you're in the trenches of motherhood, that is a really enveloping season of life. And what I've learned through the years is that grief had greatly impacted that season of my life where I don't, where if I could turn back time, I would do things differently. And I would have addressed my grief much, much sooner than I did. And, but, you know, I guess that's the journey of life. You know, we all walk a path that um, is where choices present themselves. And we can either choose to continue to look for resources and things that may help us or be open, I think, more importantly, to being guided to those things. But I think what happens with grief is that it just puts this veil over ourselves. We don't see ourselves clearly. We don't, it's really difficult to connect with others deeply, even with ourselves. And so we feel like often when we're as grievers, we don't know what we need. Uh, So even if it slapped you in the face, you may not even recognize it. So I think there's this natural evolution of just a personal evolving. But I think we can get there quicker if we give ourselves the time and the space to truly sit with what it is we're feeling and ask ourselves some deeper questions. And so, yeah, exploring the seasons of life, I, I didn't really give myself the opportunity to fully embrace that because, because of grief, I think. Um, I didn't understand why I was feeling 
uh, so terrible for so long. And I didn't really know what to do about it. Even though I'd tried different things, got a life coach, there was just this continual needling of, I, I just need to figure myself out. I need to understand myself better. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, it was a long process for me to find something that finally I felt led to. And that worked for me. So that was a long answer to, to No, I absolutely love that. And Victoria, you hit on a point there that I think people don't know that they're grieving. And that, so they don't know what to do. Can we just talk a little bit about a good working definition of grief? Yeah, grief is, according to the Grief Recovery Institute, we define it as the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations. Anything that you wish would have been different or would be different, better, or more. And it's a change in or an end of a familiar pattern of behavior. So COVID really showed us a lot of changes in our familiar patterns of behavior, things that we couldn't do that we used to love to do because of restrictions and social distancing, things like that, and businesses closed, you know. And so I think COVID really highlighted for each and every one of us what we really truly enjoy in our lives when that's taken away, right? And so we find often that when things that we enjoy are taken away, we might replace it with something else. And so I think that's where we're seeing probably, I guess I haven't statistically looked this up, but I imagine statistically um, the evidence of addiction has increased, suicide rates, you know, all of those things. Uh, so I think that uh, that's why we're seeing this increase in, in those issues now because of COVID. And I, and I think also I saw a couple of headlines pop up recently about people in the workforce reevaluating what's important to them. You know, and COVID has, has kind of like showed them, okay, do I really want this stressful job or would I rather spend time with my family? Right. And I think, too, you bring up a good point in that maybe you actually lost your job that you absolutely love, that you truly was your dream job, maybe. And so I think there's there's just been a lot of loss on top of, um, you know, our familiar patterns of behavior that change. There's also been a lot of loss that has come as a result of COVID, too. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would love to hear your journey, your story about how you became a grief writer, author, and an advanced certified grief recovery specialist. What has that what has that been like for you throughout your journey? I think the when the writing started was back in 2014 is when I launched my first website or blog. It was it's called The Guided Heart and it still exists. I I don't publish to that anymore, but it's still out there. Um and that led to my I I had always wanted to write a book. I just didn't know when how that would come about. Um, I talked about it for many years, but um, I was very blessed with an opportunity to have guidance in doing that, just a happenstance conversation with someone. And so 
yeah, it was a happy accident that I found support to to write my book. And that's how that kind of happened. And so first I was blogging and then the book, I wrote the book, and which is um, kind of a an overview of my grief story. Um, I don't really get deep into the details entirely uh, because that was still a process I was working through at the time. It was a real time experience that I, as I was writing the book and um, but it, I do share what at that point had been helping me. And I was starting to feel more spiritually connected than I had before. And so that was really the evolution of, of that process. This, you know, I, I was doing that for quite several years. I still just really wanted to help people. But I didn't know what that would look like. Uh, but I did have another loss in my life. And that made me realize I am not okay. And opened up an old wound. Um, my dad had passed away when I was eight. He was sick for about two years before he passed with colon cancer. But after that loss, we actually experienced the loss of not just my father, but his entire family. They were no longer in my life. And then my sister, actually, who I was very close to, moved. She graduated and moved that same year. And so it was a lot of change and loss in a short period amount of time. Because my dad passed in March. My sister left in May. My mom ended up remarrying uh, about two years later. Just And then I was sexually abused. And so there was just a lot happening um, between the time I was probably six when my dad, you know, was first sick because my mom was then gone a lot. Like he had to doctor and I was kind of bounced from house to house um, mm -hmm. during that time. But yeah, from the time I was six through 12, those six years were very just really traumatic and life altering for me. So yeah, everything, you know, and that other loss, it was my father's brother. And um, I had reconnected with him actually, um, 30 years almost to the day, which is really kooky. But um, that was a very healing experience for me. And, but that's what led me to finding looking for and finding the Grief Recovery Institute and the grief recovery program that they offer. And I decided, because I wanted to help people, I decided to get not just go through the program, but also certify. And when you certify as a grief recovery specialist, you also go through the program yourself. But it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's very intense. And I wasn't prepared for that. But it, I, I left there a very different person than when I came. And, and that led to Reiki, and that led to UMAP, and um, everything that I've been led to since, really. That veil was lifted, and I was open to receiving what I needed. I think sometimes when we go through something, now I haven't been through the Advanced Certified um, Grief Recovery um, program, but I've been through similar type programs where it's, like you say, drinking through a fire hose and you're experiencing something so profound. And then you're, when you carry that out, you really know what your clients are going to experience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a very important aspect of being a grief recovery specialist is you can't really help others unless you've um, worked through your own stuff because you can really only truly sit with each other 
or sit with other people and their pain, really traumatic, deep, hurtful things that people have experienced that I've worked with or heard their stories. You can't sit with people in that if you yourself haven't worked through your own stuff. And could, because if you become, I hate to use the word triggered, but just because of suicide, things like that. But when you are feeling provoked by someone else's emotional stuff, that's an indicator that you might not be the best person to be sitting with that person or trying to help them. Uh, you know, it's that analogy of, you know, putting on your oxygen mask on yourself first. Yeah, you really need to do that if you want to be of service to others. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Because you're right, you cannot sit with others when they're going through their story if you are, what is the word that you used? Um, I'm not sure. But if you're just overcome with your own stuff, you know, it, you, it's easy then to turn it, make it about you. So be the part of being able to be a heart with ears for someone is it's not about you. Exactly. <laughs> and so when you're like just overcome with your own stuff, you, it's really difficult to not make it about you. I, I absolutely agree. Now, Victoria, we touched on this a little bit earlier. So we talked about how grief is a response to loss and loss can take so many different forms. So what other types of losses are considered grief? Oh, I mean, we kind of touched on the job loss, but mm -hmm. divorce, um, even if it was uh, a, an amicable divorce, there's still loss there. It's There's a lot of change and loss that happens in divorce. And if it was a nasty divorce, even, you know, again, that's it changes the dynamic of that loss. Pet loss, miscarriage, infertility, um, loss of hopes and dreams. You know, my son had a traumatic accident, um, you know, with a weight and his pancreas is severed and it's working on healing itself, but we're not out of the woods yet if he's going to need surgery. And if he has to have some of his pancreas removed, his hopes and dreams of joining the military might not happen. That's really difficult for um, someone who's had this dream for several years you know, if it comes to that, that's going to be something we're going to have to deal with. But, you know, just things like that. Life happens to us. And, you know, you can have a car accident. You can end up losing your physical health or mobility. Just disease, chronic chronic illness can be debilitating. And there's a lot of grief that comes with that. So, I mean, if we really think about the stuff that happens to people and that really challenges the human spirit. There's a lot of loss that falls under that. And, and that's what I wanted, you know, the people to hear that grief is not necessarily the death of a loved one, but it comes in so many different forms, all of those that you just went through. And we need to be, I'm going to say mindful, we need to be gentle. We need to not try to fix, but to be there for people as they're going through that, whatever that loss may be. No, I think that's a good word, mindful. Just we never know what people are struggling with or going through. And I think just with COVID and all the change, and we kind of touched on this before, but you just don't know what people are struggling with. I know right now 
my stepmother was going to go visit her family in Indonesia. She had gotten the tickets. She was so excited. And she was supposed to leave on the 15th. And she called like two, called me two days beforehand that her flights have all been canceled due to COVID. And I can, I can see and I can feel that grief because she hasn't been to see her family in a couple of years now with COVID. So my, you're right. We don't ever know what somebody's going through because they look, can look fine on the outside. But I can, that grief is really, really there for her because on top of that, you know, with my father passing away a few months ago, it's just this double grief that she's going through. Well, it's, a, you know, that longing of connection that is being interrupted. And it's crazy when you say two years, it's like, we've been dealing with this for two years. It's just boggles my mind. It feels like, I think some people might say it probably feels like five, you know, but or it seems like one. But yeah, it's just time. What is time? (laughs) Exactly. And I'm really curious about this. What inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? Because I wholeheartedly believe that it is possible to live a life of fulfillment and alignment if we can really address what it is that is impacting our lives in a way that we now not do not necessarily recognize on the surface. But if you find yourself turning to alcohol at the holidays, or you find yourself um, exercising like like as a means to not get healthy, but to like, that's the only thing you feel you have control of in your life. So you have to exercise because that's, you know, you can control your body weight, you can control your physical appearance, you know, some people take that to an extreme too. Um, Or workaholism, Uh, if you really are just pouring yourself into your work, and you're not spending time with those you love, and you tend to isolate yourself. Um, I, I, there's so many different ways that we resort to behaviors that help us to feel better for a short period of time, but they're really not serving us. So it, it could be gambling or shopping, um, you know, all these things that, well, you know, I just, especially I think in society too, like with women, there's this wine culture thing that is very prevalent and it's kind of a joke you know you got the shirts and you got the memes and all of this and that and um, I was a part of that for quite some time and um, I really struggled with alcohol in my early 20s and it did carry over into um, when my kids were younger and into you know as they grew up but um, I've since addressed that And, you know, the beautiful thing about grief recovery is that you can apply it to not just relationships with people, but you can apply it to things like alcohol to help you not need it because we don't, we don't need it, but you feel like you do in the moment because you just feel, you just want to feel better. It's so funny that you mentioned wine because I guess it was last weekend, uh, my partner and I were watching a movie and I had a glass of wine and I fell asleep before the end of the movie. And I woke up, you know, it's this ending. And he's like, 
he was just a very simple, really curious question. And he said, why do you drink wine if it makes you fall asleep? And I thought, why indeed? Why indeed? Yeah, right. (laughs) But it was just that innocent, simple question that I thought, I know, I don't need to have a glass of wine while I'm watching a movie and fall asleep. You know, I can watch the movie and enjoy the movie. Right. And I think sometimes I think that's what happens too. It's it's not like an intentional sometimes where you just, well, I'm I'm pouring this glass of wine because I, I just had a stressful day, which is, you know, sometimes that's a stirb and that can, you know, as a short-term energy relieving behavior, you just want to feel better, right? But sometimes it can be out of habit. Like every time you watch a movie, you have a glass of wine, right? And then you fall asleep. <laughs> but if you have more intentionality, behind it like and I think that's where you kind of just we kind of get stuck in the motions of life too sometimes right where it's just things that become we do things out of habit sometimes and unless you bring in an awareness or intentionality to your life you're going to continue those things and that's where it can become you know habits become a way of being and then that becomes a problem yeah when he said that to me and again it was an innocent question. It was just a curious question, but it really made me think, no, I don't, I don't, just because it's the weekend, I don't need a glass of wine. And I asked myself a similar question, you know, after, you know, a night out and I'm binge drinking because that's what happens every time I would go out drinking, I would binge drink, I'd get sick, I get sick every single time. After another night of puking, I asked myself the next day, why do I think I need to drink when I go out? Why do I need that? And that was the question I asked myself, and I really dug into. And it was that day, that next day that I decided I'm done. And I made it almost two years. And then I intentionally had shared in some drinks with friends. And It didn't really hit me until probably maybe 10 days later, a week later, and I really was disappointed in myself, really. I'd made it that long, and, you know, so it's still something I'm working through, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, alcohol can have such a grip over our lives, and if we just ask ourselves some deeper questions, we uncover some painful truths, really. And it's the shame, you know, the shame that, and what's funny too is you, and then I didn't experience this, but ever since I've shared this with some close friends of mine, they've been sharing their experiences and they've discovered too, like, well, yeah, I don't need to drink either. And so the ripples that that conversation has created in other relationships that I have with people, it's actually created ripples in their relationships with other people, other people seeing them not drink. And then you get the people that, well, why aren't you drinking? You know, people want to feel less shame about what they're doing. And what helps them feel less shame about what they're doing is if you're doing it with them, right? But you made such a, you made some great points in there. And so for me, I am really going to try not to drink because that's that simple question that, you know, Andre asked me, what does self-care and grief mean to you? And maybe, I don't know, 
three or four tips for people in grief? Ooh, actually, that's something that I've had to really address in myself lately, because um, I think when we're in grief or we're grieving, that's when we really need to double down on those things that um, will help us to get through the day in a holistic, healthy way, such as sleep, uh, saying no to things that we just don't have the bandwidth or physical energy or mental energy for. Um, It's knowing your limits in that regard as well. And I think that also is about boundaries. So many people, so many grievers uh, don't have boundaries. And I think most, a lot of people don't even wouldn't know a boundary if it slapped them in the face, to be honest, um, because there's a lot of people pleasing that happens um, with trauma or abuse as an adult, you know, especially as children that grow up. I just think that so many of our life experiences as children really impacts our adulthood and how we present to the world and how we project our feelings and who we are to the world and also impacts the relationships that we find ourselves in. So I think that, you know, our environment hugely influences whether we uh, seek support or find support and move forward with support, or if we continue down that rabbit hole in that spiral of um, self-loathing or shame or, you know, find find yourself in abusive relationships or um, lack of boundaries and, you know, kind of lose yourself in the process of all of that, I think, too. So it's really just coming back to the to discovering and being open to what you need and then following through on those things. I've been thinking of self-care lately as almost like stepping stones, you know, kind of, and I'm almost like dancing through these stepping stones and just picking up what you need in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's not following like a set, you must do this, you must do that, you must do this to feel better, but just really, and you used the word um, intentional earlier in our conversation, but asking yourself with intention, what do I need right now? Yeah, it's really like being in flow with your own energy. Yeah. Yes. Can you talk about energy a little bit? I know I'm kind of going off on here, but I know that you're a Reiki master. And how can we use our energy with also with self-care or within healing ourselves? Maybe that's not the right word. Helping ourselves in grief. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, on my website, I do have a free energy quiz where you can, you're like one of the, I've identified four different energy types. And based on your type, um, I offer suggestions on what might be leaking your energy and what can nurture your energy and give some practical tips in doing that. So I, I really agree with you in that it's embracing where you're at in the moment in that day. Um, I had a client recently on an interview for my podcast, Grieving Voices, where she shared that, you know, she would take an entire day 
the, you know, when the anniversary was coming up of her loss, she blocked off the entire day and just honored where she was at and where she, what she was feeling and got past the whole idea that, you know, there's a certain time frame to, to grieve and there is no timeline to grief. That's one of the myths of grief. Time just passes, does nothing but pass. Um, it's what you do in the time that matters. So it's the actions that you take in that time that influence you the most in your healing. But yeah, it's really, it's not just bubble baths or manicures and things like that. It's another perfect example of of honoring your needs and self-care is um, I have uh, a guest on my podcast, Ann Jacob. She's uh, been living 17 years with metastatic breast cancer. Um, she knows she's eventually someday going to die of metastatic breast cancer. She just doesn't know when, as long as the treatments, you know, keep showing up and helping her, um, she's here. And so it's, I, I mean, that just blows my mind. 17 years <laughs> with cancer in your body. Um, self-care is, she's really learned what self-care means to her and, and how important and vital it is for her to be able to to function and make it through each day. And it's different every time, you know. Yeah, and I was, ju I was just going to say, and self-care is different for all of us. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's spiritual, it's physical, emotional. It's all of the things that make up our spirit and who we are. I've been thinking, because I talk about self-care a lot on the podcast, and self-care, and I, and I just was journaling about this before we got on, you know, but it is that physical, that psychological, the emotional, the social, you know, the environmental, spiritual, financial. I mean, it's, it's every aspect of our lives. Exactly. And it, the interesting thing is grief impacts every single one of those you know and so that's why grief can be so debilitating for people it can feel like a tsunami has just come through their life you know everything in their environment in their physical self and body and spiritual all of that yeah exactly well how do you show up for yourself hmm so before this happened with my son, um, which, you know, I'll touch on the self-care aspect of this, but before this happened with my son, um, I kind of had a regimen. Um, I, call, I called it a morning ritual. I would get up between 5.15 and 5.40 um, every morning, and I would meditate first thing, very first thing. Um, I was on like a 97-day stretch of meditating every single, I didn't miss a day. And then this happened. And that just poof, went out the window. I also then would, I had a daily gratitude journal that went poof, out the window. And also too, I would, um, and then I would exercise. And that went poof, out the window. It's like just everything in my morning ritual just went down the drain. And um, so I'm 
I'm quickly realizing that, you know, I, it is very important. That's when you do need to double down on what it is that helps you to feel yourself and feel whole within yourself. You know, my focus obviously shifted to not myself, but it comes back to that analogy of needing to put your gas, your air, you know, your oxygen mask on yourself first. And I just completely neglected that. And I ended up getting really sick, actually, ironically. I mean, not no surprise to me amidst everything happening with my son. So, yeah, it, you know, grief manifests in all kinds of ways in our lives and impacts everything. And so it's really, truly important that we show up for ourselves. I know I read this on your website and I just loved it. And it's and it's kind of ties into everything that we've been talking about. But you said, I have learned that there's more to our lives than the grief we endure. Can you go into that a little more? Well, I think when we're so like we're in stuck in the weeds of grief, um, it, it does feel all consuming. It and it will consume you if you allow it. And that's where it was happening with me, honestly. Like I was, you know, it was day by day and it was really like just these thoughts of if you need surgery and oh my gosh, it's it's a very risky surgery. It's um, it's a really big deal. Um, his injury is actually like less than like 0.2% of all abdominal injuries are like his. Oh my like, goodness. Yeah, it's statistically, <laughs> it's so rare. <laughs> It, it just took me like a good probably 10 days to even wrap my head around it, you know, that this even happened. And so it's really just been a flood of emotion um, and roller coaster of emotion. And so now it's like I feel like I can take a step back a little bit and relax a little bit, but we're still not obviously out of the woods yet. But there is more to what I found out actually during this process too, there was a there has been some periods of time where I could feel like I could, you know, where I found myself in service of others. You know, I had a Reiki session not that long ago. Um, I worked with had another session with a grief recovery client that's continued to work with me. And what I found was in those moments of being of service to others, I felt better. I I physically felt lit up and alive. It really brought me back to center of who who I am at my core. And, and you know, and they say too, the quickest way to feel better about your own s- sorrows and miseries and grief is, is to help others and, you know, to focus on other people. What I found when this happened with my son, and I was always so focused on him, it was the moments where I was alone with my feelings that everything just really came to the surface, but I wasn't allowing it to come out. And so it wasn't until I actually came home. He was actually in the hospital and I came home and it just, the floodgates just let loose. And it's really what I needed, but I wasn't allowing myself to to go there um, because I was so focused on him. And I think that's often what we do in grief and in times of challenge and things like that. But even in grief, even though that person may, if it's someone we lost that, that passed away, our minds are still on that person, right? Like our minds are still there. Our hearts are still there. And so it's really 
doing the things that can bring you back to center, that remind you of who you are at your core. And usually, oftentimes, those are things that really where your light shines. And so it's, it's maybe doing more of those things. Victoria, just a, qu- a quick little s- side note here. When you're working with someone, and maybe not in those first few months, let's say it's six months to a year out, what is like the first step you take them through to kind of help them feel a little bit better? Well, I, what I have found is even just the first three sessions, um, people are dramatically feeling better because I feel like what grief recovery gives people and what UMAP gives people, because I, I actually combine the two programs when I work with one, one-on-one with people, is that it gives them hope. And oftentimes when people are finally seeking help, you know, it's often the, the last ditch effort, right? This is, this is it. If this doesn't work, you know, and that's kind of how I was feeling. Like, if this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Yeah, that's what I have found, though, is that it's when you start to really dig deep, when those things aren't, don't have so much weight, those emotions and those feelings don't have as much weight to them, you feel lighter, you just do. And over the last few months, what is the biggest surprise you've had? Oh, it's honestly, it's been the awareness around how quickly we can neglect ourselves mm-hmm. in, in challenging times. And that is really honestly when we need to double down. Again, I'll say that it's like the third time I've said that, but that has been the greatest lesson for me. And I think even just in COVID, right? Like that, these are the times when people really need to double down on their whole self care. And it comes back to that spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, just really, um, you know, it's like when you're a parent um, and you have a child and you're always keeping tabs on where they're at, what they're mm-hmm. doing, making sure they're not putting anything in their mouth. They're not supposed to, you know, toddlers. Um, it's really about parenting yourself. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, and a, a friend of mine also says it's becoming your own best friend. That too. Yeah, absolutely. I really want to talk to you about the UMAP, but I know we've been on and I don't want to take up any more of your time unless you have a few more minutes or I can always have you come back. Well, I can quickly say that. Okay. Yeah, UMAP honestly is this holistic picture of... of um, you know, your values, your strengths, your top five strengths, and your preferred skills, your least preferred skills, and how you're wired. And it is a pathway. It, it really is a pathway. It lights the way moving forward. It's like your guidepost for things that might be where you might be dishonoring your own values, or you might recognize where others are dishonoring yours. And when we understand what our strengths are and what we bring to our relationships, our where the places where we work or interact with others, we have more confidence 
about what we have to offer others. And I think that when you have that confidence, you know how to articulate it. UMAP shows, like, gives you the words, literally, how to articulate what you have to offer. When, again, whether that be a place of employment or your marriage or relationships with friends. Or, and it really helps you gain an understanding of how different we all are, how differently we might grieve, right? You can have two parents that lose a child and they're going to grieve in their own way. Like you might have one parent that's very, um, that has a lot of people facing skills or strengths. And so they, they're, they're going to want to talk and they're going to want to verbalize. They're, they'll be more verbal and communicative. Whereas someone that's maybe um, has more thinking themes like I do, I'm more I have to process, I process things more internally. I'm, I might be the type of person, which I am, to journal or to, I just need more time to process what I'm thinking or feeling, to discern, you know, what I need. I'm not quick to answer. Um, and so that can create conflict in relationships when, you know, one person is really decisive and quick to respond and the other needs more time and you know, might seem like, well, why are you dragging your feet with this? You don't care, you know? So it can really create a lot of conflict and communication just because we don't understand how we're built, right? How, how we're um, the essence of who we are. And that really is what the UMAP gives you. When I hear you talk about that, it is so interesting to me. I know that our listeners are going to want to work with you what is your website? Um, how can they find out more about the UMAP on your website, your podcast? Just tell yeah. us all about that. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, you can find me uh, at theunleashedheart.com, theunleashedheart.com. And I've got the Grieving Voices link is on there to my podcast. You can listen from there or it's everywhere where podcasts are available. UMAP is also I have um, under services. You can read more about UMAP. I, I can work with you just with UMAP or you combine it with uh, grief recovery. Often when we address our grief, we realize what it is. Well, actually with loss, you might realize what it is that's important to you. And you might be questioning, you know, what it is that you're doing with your life. Or maybe the breadwinner passed away and now you find yourself having to join the workforce for the first time. Um, you know, grief is a great clarifier in our lives. And so that's why I felt like UMAP was the missing piece for people in the work that I was doing with them. And it's made a huge, huge impact and difference in the lives of those that I've been working with. And so, with the, you know, the two programs together. So yeah, all the information is on my website. You can also connect with me on um, Instagram, which is my other favorite place to be, at The Unleashed Heart. Um, and Facebook and all the social links are there too on my website and LinkedIn too. I'm on there. I appreciate having you on the podcast so much. I mean, everything that you have said, you know, just has just really been so heartfelt. And I just love that because as I talked a little bit earlier, before I think, before I hit record, that in 2022, you're going to be the first episode of 2022. And I'm just so excited about that. And also, 
the depth that you've gone into. So I really appreciate that. I'm, it's been my honor to be here. Thank you. for Thank you for allowing me to share about grief recovery and UMAP and Reiki and energy and all of it. Yeah, it's, I really, what UMAP gave me was affirmation that I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. So thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.